Hey guys, it's Pastors Aaron and Terry Bagwell, and we wanted to say thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with a friend to keep others around you encouraged throughout the week. We hope you have a blessed day and enjoy the podcast. God bless you. I wanted to share a word that I really felt the Lord gave me today, and I'm calling the message the Faith Kitchen. The Faith Kitchen. And uh, I'm believing for all of us who are stretching forward in our destinies and calling, this is going to really hit home for you. Uh, I'm so grateful for Jesus, Andrea, their entire family, uh, and for Jesus taking a bold leap of faith to join me overseas. Uh, and if you'd like to also join us, we're, going, we're putting together a trip to Albania in the end of June, 2023. All right. Anybody down? Come on. Who's coming? Okay, good. So start thinking about it. It does cost money, so start saving. Uh, we'll also have lots of fundraising um, tips, tools, techniques that help because we do believe in fundraising. It's important. It's important to do missions trips. Um, it'll be great. But it's going to be incredible. And uh, we have not done a group trip since 2000. 18, maybe 19. It was, it's been a few years because of COVID. So this is going to be a real breakthrough trip. And Albania is a great trip to go on. Um, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. And the Holy Spirit's going to move in big ways. We're going to put together crusades uh, for evangelism. Even on this trip, uh, we did a lot of evangelism. We saw many people come to Christ in the services. Uh, between all the kids' homes and the church services, we ministered seven times in five days. And they had us running from top to bottom in that nation. And it was awesome and busy and tiring. Uh, but we left full, not drained, because the Holy Spirit uh, was so good. Every time we poured out, he just kept pouring back in. And, you know, the same's true for your life, that many times we don't feel we have the capacity to help others because we're so drained or we're so tired or we're so stretched. But let me tell you, the opposite is actually true in the way that it works in faith, that when you start reaching out in faith to do the works of God, he starts untapping spirituality spiritual empowerment upon you. And what's so incredible about that is that you start getting filled up when you didn't have anything else left to give. This is the whole point to begin with. God says, I know you're weak, but when you're weak, I am strong. Anybody with me say yes. So I want us to start in the gospel of Luke chapter 17. If you got your Bible, grab it. And uh, I always like to encourage Bible bringing. The Gospel, Luke chapter 17, we're reading verses 5 and 6. And the apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. And the Lord answered, if you have had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and planted into the sea, and it would Obey you. The apostles said, show us how to increase our faith. And Jesus said, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed. If you've never seen a mustard seed, it's incredibly small. It's, uh, if you put it in the palm of your hand, if you're not looking carefully, you might even miss it. That's how tiny a mustard seed is. Jesus used this analogy because the people of the day would have known what a mustard seed looks like. But he also continued to point out mustard seed analogies throughout Scripture. But many times he went back to have faith as a mustard seed. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes that was confusing for me. It's kind of probably how the disciples felt many times. That's great, Jesus. What does that mean, you know? And they probably leave Jesus, and he's going off to the mountain to pray. Can you imagine the private conversations of the <laughs> disciples like, what did he mean? Like, faith like a mustard seed. I said, increase my faith. You know, like, he's crazy, you know. And this is why Jesus would constantly be teaching and rebuking and loving and teaching and rebuking and correcting and teaching because it was a learning and growth process. Now, how many know if the disciples who walked with Jesus in person needed that, how much more do we constantly need that in our walk? Amen. This is a process of learning, development, and growth. And so today I wanted to speak 
on what I'm calling the faith kitchen. We're, we're going to get into this concept and this idea today of what it means to get cooking. Now, actually, I got this analogy on my feet through the Holy Spirit in Albania. I never preached this thought or idea before, but I really felt the Lord uh, gave it to me. And the Holy Spirit hit so powerfully as we talked about this topic. Uh, I mean, people were weeping. The Holy Spirit fell. People were lying prostrate on the floor. It was a glorious moment, but it came through the faith kitchen. Now, I didn't call it that. I didn't have all these fancy titles. I do that just for you. So, because we're Americans and we need graphics, don't we? And, um, but I want to get the faith inside of you to explode, okay? Just like the disciples, the apostles said, how do we get it to increase? Jesus said, have faith like a mustard seed. Now, let me teach you a few things about faith for a quick moment. Faith is about development, I want to say that again. If you write, write it down. Faith is about development. Like the mustard seed, if you want your faith to increase, you must understand the process of development. Jesus, in Matthew 13, verse 31, he says, here's another illustration. Jesus used the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. When you see a mustard seed, you would never guess what would come from that seed. This is why Jesus used it so powerfully as an illustration, because your faith is like that mustard seed. Now, I've heard this preached a bunch of different ways. I've heard it preached. All you need is a mustard seed faith, and you're good, and just have small faith forever, and God will do something. Like, it kind of it gets confusing, but what the Lord began to reveal to me is that he used the mustard seed analogy because he says when you begin, it's like starting as that little seed. Your faith is undeveloped. But it has all the potential in the world inside of it when you connect it into the right soil and the right sunshine and the right watering and the right environments. Are you hearing me? This is why Jesus always used agricultural type things because it was an agrarian society. And so he would say things to people that did it daily. They were farmers and planters. They understood the process of development. And he says, you want to increase your faith, start like a seed. So Jesus is directly speaking to development. Now, two things I'm going to say to you. If you like writing, these are good. One, faith has nothing to do with your gifts and talents, but everything to do with your belief and trust in God. Number two, faith has nothing to do with what you can do, but everything about what God can do. Now, today I want to, I pray, have something explode in your spirit that you've been longing for. That faith on the inside of you, like that mustard seed, would not stay a mustard seed forever. What good is it anyway at that point? A mustard seed is just a seed until it fulfills its purpose and promise that God has called for it. But when you, like a mustard seed faith, start understanding that God wants to develop it, grow it, and increase it, it can become the greatest in all the land. And what God is trying to show us is that our faith, as it develops, overshadows everything on the earth. That it becomes the dwelling place even for birds. Uh, I mean, to think that most of the time those little seeds just produce little herb plants. This is going to produce a tree. So God just needs your faith like the seed, and he's going to do the rest. But there's a developmental process that has to take place. Now, in the faith kitchen, we're going to talk about a few things today. But number one, training begins immediately. So we're going to talk about a few things today in our faith kitchen. Training begins immediately in the faith kitchen. Now, I want to tell you a story that I have shared briefly here, a miracle and a faith development thing that God did in Terry and I's life. But I want to share it in depth to illustrate this today. And it actually went back to our first trip to Albania. The year was 2009. And one of our mentors, her name is Dr. Marilyn Hickey, had just been to Albania. And God used her incredibly while she was there. But when she left, she prayed and the Holy Spirit spoke to her. You'll never be back to Albania. And to this day, she hasn't been. 
she knew that was from the Lord. And so the, the pastors there, they had a great move of God, a great revival took place. Thousands of people came to Jesus. And of course, they said, when are you coming back? She says, I'm not. And they were so sad, you know, when it's you be, <laughs> you know, this great thing just happened. Of course, you want to do it again. <laughs> you know, let's go. But yet she said, no, I'm not coming back. But if you'll trust me, I'll send someone to you. The Holy Spirit will reveal it to me. But you have a job, too. And they said, what's our job? You have to receive whomever I send you. That's your job. They won't be famous. They won't be known. But they will be sent of God. Do we do we got an agreement? You know, she's working a Holy Spirit contract or something. I don't know. They said yes. So they prayed and had peace. on. So she left. So she prays. Well, apparently the Holy Spirit picked me. <laughs> now, I didn't know anything about Albania at the time. Neither did Terry. And Pastor Marilyn calls me and says, hey, I want to meet with you. So uh, would you come to my office? So we schedule a meet. So Terry and I go meet with her. And she talks to both of us. She says, I know where you're supposed to go next. She was teaching us and training us about revival around the earth and all these things. She goes, I know where God's wanting to send you next. Well, to be honest, I didn't know. So I was like, great. Where am I going? You know, send me on an assignment. She says, it's Albania. I said, OK, Albania. Definitely don't know anything about this place. She says, um, I want you to pray about it. If God says to go, I want you to take faith and God will produce the fruit that he has called for that. Isn't that awesome when you're around faith people? They just inspire you. And I walked away, amen. They're going to produce fruit. Hallelujah. God's going to, I don't know where Albania is. Give me the map. God's going to change. Where's Albania, you know? I, you know, you just feel like a lost puppy sometimes. You look the faith realm of some of these people who've developed it over a life, and you got the mustard seed. And so here I was, and uh, we left and began to pray, and we were so encouraged, and we said yes. So she gave me one email as a contact, and she says, go for it. So I emailed him. I said, dear Albanian pastors, you don't know me, but Dr. Marilyn Hickey has chosen me through the Holy Spirit to come to you. Apparently, you guys had a conversation and an agreement. I would like to discuss working with you to do a gospel campaign for Albania. They respond back. Dear Aaron, the American pastor. Yeah, we didn't know each other. You know, these are just ambiguous names. You know, we're so blessed that Dr. Marilyn is sending you. We will begin working with you soon. We will send you a budget for the event. Oh, hallelujah. You know, so, man, we were excited. So we, we began um, just praying, right? Everything starts in prayer. Now, when you start praying for the destinies God's giving you. Now, again, I'm a preacher, right? So you have to imagine the things God's calling me to do are going to be preaching stories. Okay, sometimes in church we can make a disconnect like, well, what about me? That's not my life. We have to connect the calling of God into the areas that God places us. Amen. And so I believe every single one of you have the calling of the Great Commission because Jesus gave that to all of us. But it doesn't necessarily mean you have to take on the mantle of doing crusades over the seas. And I would say don't do it unless God calls you to do it because it takes a lot of faith. But what he calls you for, he will provide miracles for. What he doesn't call you for you're on your own. And let me tell you, when you start swimming on your own, you're going to get tired real quick and drown. And it gets very sad when you drown because you think God left you. But the reality is we may have swam right away from what he wanted us to do. So we began to pray. And as we begin to pray about this, this thing begins stirring in our spirits very heavily. And wow, we were Falling in love with this country, we never even been there. I started reading about it. I started researching it. I started looking up what kind of food we were going to eat. All you know, all the things, and just getting. There were months away from the event. Now, a few days later, the budget came. They sent me an email and said, "Great news! We've put together a budget. We know that you do these types of things all over the world. This is a very small budget. We think you'll be very pleased with it. We know God. We can reach many, many people for this very small budget." Now, our ministry at the time, um, it was not called Expect Hope. It was just called Aaron Bagwell Ministries. I know, it was really boring. And um, God hadn't given us Expect Hope the name yet, but we had just started the ministry. It was maybe two years old at this time. And um, they sent me the budget, and it was $15,000. Now, when you're 
in your early 20s and just starting a ministry and you have zero monthly partners sewing, you have zero financial partners in any way, shape or form, zero people that say we're with you in your calling to the world. Outside of maybe my mom and dad or something, and they'd pray for it and help us. But that was it. You know, it, it, you know, you start stretching out. Well, prior to this moment, my parents, have, word of life, my parents' church had been very helpful. They had helped me, of course, launch. And so every time an opportunity to come, they would help write the check. And I don't help. They wrote the check. I mean, come on. They, they wrote the whole check. I had no money. This will encourage you today. I believe it. Because how many times, and I just want to get something into your heart today, do we say, oh, we can't because we don't have? I want you to have your faith come alive today to understand the faith kitchen and what's cooking. We're going to get to this in just a minute. So I'd been to a few places, and every time I'd go to my dad, and I'd say, Dad, you know, and, you know it'd be like 2000 3000 It'd be like an airplane ticket, stuff like this. And they'd be like, okay, we're going to sew into this calling that we feel is on your life. We see a calling on you to do this. We're going to sew. We're going to sew. We're going to sew. Well, when this bill came, I did the same process I'd done before. I said, hey, Dad, great news, Albania. And I told him the whole story. Oh, praise God. Glory to God, son. Bring me the, what's God going to do? So I bring him the, the bill. I said, here it is. It's a little more than the other trips. But, you know, I know you can handle it, you know. And he's, so he, mm-hmm, you know, so he looks at it. Glory to God. Glory to God. He talks like that in private. Yeah. <laughs> so he prays about it and he comes back to me and he says, son, um, this is great. I really feel you you're supposed to do this. But as I prayed, I I didn't I felt the Holy Spirit say not to give you any financial support for this. All of a sudden, my faith seemed zero. The wind had been let out of my sails. Terry had more faith than me, you know. She was like, God will provide it. I'm like, you don't know anything, you know. <laughs> and so, I, and he goes, you need to have faith. for this. If God's called you to this, I can't just write you the check all the time. Like, I know, but just for a little longer, right, you know. <laughs> right, whenever we want to leap in our calling, right, there's these moments where we have to start using faith. But it's scary and real. And all of a sudden, the Albania crusade turned into a burden. Now, when you start stepping into your destiny and a calling and it's stretching, when you, uh, Ben and I were talking about this the other day, when you're in hypothetical dream mode, it's glorious. It, nothing's more fun than dreaming. Isn't that the truth? Ooh, what if we did that? Ooh, what if, what if, right? It's fun. It's exciting. You can pray about it. And then you really, in those dreams, God will direct you to something really specific. And when you grab the specific, but then you actually put that cloak on, that mantle on for that, all of a sudden you just, you felt the weight of the mantle hit you. Now it's dream, sure, but now the reality of there's responsibility with this. There's a heaviness with this that I've never experienced before. Oh, God, but I want the dream. But that dream comes at a cost called faith and development. I got a mustard seed, but that's it. <laughs> so we begin praying. And we said, well, God, we need to raise money. And my dad told me, he goes, you can, I want to help you raise money, but don't ask anybody in my church. <laughs> Now, he did this on purpose because, again, he goes, you have to learn what this means. And so he began training me. So then I was upset. So I went to Marilyn Hickey. I said, Dr. Hickey, you know, I, and she goes, Aaron, your father is not your source. God is. Until you learn that, you won't do anything for the kingdom. I said, this isn't very encouraging. God, where's someone else I can talk to, you know? And I'll never forget this first time to Albania. It was so stressful. So we began praying, though. Okay, they all say to pray. So when you start developing your faith, it's very uncomfortable. So this is the faith kitchen. So I want to show you the faith kitchen. I've been blessed to be around amazing men and women of God in my life. 
I mean, they are giants of the faith. They've accomplished things that people talk about in history now. They've built buildings or universities or they've built ministries overseas or all the above. Still to this day, beyond their death, their ministries are functioning and legacy-filled and generational. I got to be around a lot of these kind of people. And what the Lord began to show me, and this is number two on our list of the Faith Kitchen, is that you will encounter Faith Kitchen chefs in your journey. These are chefs, and if you throw that graphic up, that's why we chose this uh, graphic. Chefs of faith will serve you meals and even sit down and eat with you. So here I was with Dr. Hickey and Brother Shambach and Oral Roberts and Art, uh, Reinhard Bunky and like, I mean, incredible people. And man, look at this. This is fine china. This is literally our china from our wedding day. So don't break it, okay? And um, we've used it once. No, I'm teasing, maybe five times. But it's beautiful, right? The beautiful place settings. And every time I'd be around these great people of faith, it was like being invited into their restaurant. And these chefs would go these faith giants into the kitchen. And I don't know what they're doing in the kitchen. They're praying. They're doing something. They're, they're paying a price that I know not of back in that kitchen. And all of a sudden, they come out with this beautiful spread, and they lay it down, and I just get to eat. And then they sat, and they actually eat with us. And I begin eating around these people. Now, when you're around people of faith who are chefs and have paid the price you hang around them long enough, you think you're a chef. I mean, you hang around them long enough. I watched Brother Shambach pray for 10 blind people, and every blind eye opened in one instant. Never seen anything like that in my life. Wow. I just ate the food with them. Wow. I, I remember being uh, around Dr. Roberts and watching him uh, pray for the sick even in his latter years, and watching miracles and people get out of wheelchairs. I remember being with Brian Arbunky in Nigeria and watching half a million people worshiping God. And when he gave the altar call, they literally had, like, I think that night, 200,000 decisions for Jesus in one moment. And I was standing right there with them, eating the fruit, eating, watching. God did I, being around Dr. Hickey, I traveled with her and watched all these things that God did in her life and got to do music for her. I was around her. And then we'd literally have dinner. And then they would just tell stories of miracles and healings and faith and how God multiplied and how God brought them money and how God brought them souls and how the, the people tried to kill them and God would protect them. And I just, I wanted to. There's something about eating good food. You want it. Not just for that moment, but you want to be able to be like the chef. You want to learn how to make that food, too. So when you leave their presence, now in the natural, uh, especially in my college years, I knew nothing of cooking. And when I left my mom's house and went to college, I ate something called ramen, top ramen. I thought I was really doing pretty good. You know, I learned how to boil water. I mean, I was really, but it was not home cooking. <laughs> And the Lord began to show me this as I began to eat off the table of these chefs of faith. I thought I could just walk in it like they did. Because I was around it so much. And I would just imitate them when I would leave. I'd have opportunities to preach or minister or do things. And I, sometimes I'd talk like Brother Shambach. Sometimes I'd talk like Reinhard Bunke. I didn't know who I was. I was, talk, I was just talking like the influencers. And I would just tell their stories. Let me tell you a miracle story about so-and-so just to build people's faith. You know, I mean, I just, I didn't have any substance to my faith yet. But I was blessed during my training years to constantly go back to tables and just eat at the table and watch these chefs deliver. And the food was the best I'd ever seen or heard of. It was famous. The Gordon Ramseys of faith. Are you hearing me? Like these are the world-renowned people of faith, and I got to be with them. When Albania hit, and my father would be on that list too, he helped me tremendously, my mother and just so many people. When this moment hit, 
I began to understand something. This was the first time I was going to have to get up in the kitchen and do something myself. And this is where I started and where we all start. This is what our table looks like. We got a, now this is pretty good. This is Chinette. So this is like <laughs> in a plastic fork and it's empty. Welcome to your faith kitchen. You can be around great people of faith all day long, travel with them, go around the world with them like I did. But if you want to learn how they make that food, get ready for a process. God will transplant you out of that into your own kitchen. And let me tell you what your kitchen has in it. <laughs> Nothing. You got a china plate and a plastic fork and get ready to start believing God for some things. You know, the disciples were around the greatest faith chef of all time. His name was Jesus. And even Jesus told them, John 20, 29, you believe because you've seen me, but blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Isn't that amazing? The disciples walked with Christ. He's like, hey, you believe because you've watched me heal the blind, but blessed are Grant and April and Jim and Joan and Stephanie and Michaela and on and on. You get my point because they're not going to be physically in my presence. They're just going to read and have the Holy Spirit reveal it. Do you realize we have an opportunity to walk in a blessing even the disciples didn't have? Blessed are those who don't see and believe the word of God, the miracles of God, the reality of God now. As you begin dining at faith tables, there's something that begins to take place with these chefs. They prepare the people freely eat. And one thing that I began to learn was that the price that they paid in private, I call that the kitchen. That's the place where nobody goes except the chef. And he's back there and they're working and it's them and the Holy Spirit. They're paying a price for something to deliver for people to freely partake of. In Matthew 10, 7, 8, Jesus said, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. The process of training you must go through is so that you can freely give to hungry people. The reason you are engaging in faith. Now, let me just pause here because this church is designed to so you know, like spiritual uh, uh, training camp. That's what this place is. There's a lot of churches that are not that way. And I'm sure there's a lot of wonderful things in a lot of different churches. But this church is designed to push you into the destiny that God has for your life. So I'm going to preach on a weekly basis, probably slightly different than the average preacher, because I have a mission that God has called me to do, which is push you into everything God has called you to be. Amen. So it's not about the comfort zone. It's about the faith zone. So the process of training you're going through is not for you. That's what we don't get sometimes. Now, remember the chefs, they'd come and eat along with us. They'd be receiving too. But they didn't become a faith chef so they could just make themselves a plate. They became a faith chef so that they could feed the starving earth who are dying in darkness. And Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep. That he has called us to reach a broken and hurting world, whether that's from a platform or whether that's from your place at work in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. You have a destiny and calling to walk into, and God wants to pour his power through you. He wants to pour his spirit through you. He wants you to walk in signs and wonders and the gifts of the spirit. He wants you to be able to look at somebody who's battling depression and cast it out. He wants you to be able to look at somebody dying of sickness and pray for their healing. He wants you to look at that person who feels suicidal and curse the death right off of them. Are you in this place? God wants to use you. Say yes if you believe it. But you have to go through development. So you're not learning to become a faith chef so you can feed yourself. 
and your family solely. That's selfish. God is not looking for selfish people, and faith can't work through selfishness. Jesus said, if you want to run with me, you have to be selfless. You have to pick up your cross. You have to be willing to be crucified. You have to be willing to die for this. Are you willing to forsake your mother and your father and brothers and sisters? What are you willing to do for this calling? And we live in a generation in church anymore where we don't want to preach this because, oh, we won't draw the big crowds. Let me tell you something. I could care less if our church had 5,000 people and nobody has any faith. That's not church to me. Church is a place where God's power is present. The healing power of God is moving and disciples are being made. And in the same way, Jesus had it around him, too. There was always outskirts followers. But when Jesus said, all right, I'm going to go to heaven and ascend, but I want you to wait here and pray, and something's going to happen. My Holy Spirit's going to come, so just wait. And it's amazing how you lose thousands of people through that process. Church, guess what? We're not going to focus on this program. We're not going to give you a TV every Sunday to come to church. Come on. We're not going to have an Xbox giveaway to get you through the door every single week. We're actually going to come here and pray for the hurting world around us. It's amazing how many you will lose on that. But what about me? If you only want to eat, you're not going to get very far in this thing called faith. But if you want to walk and become the chef God's called you to be, you got to get up in this faith kitchen. And understand there's another side to this thing that's going to require development. And God wants to do it in your life. We do it for others. It's a selfless journey i know what time it is i'm gonna wrap this up real good everybody okay and the best part is we're talking about all this food we're gonna eat here in just a minute it's a full scale illustrated message today gonna feed you second corinthians 5 7 says for we walk by faith and not by sight faith that is resting on seeing needs to continue to see to keep it going, will wither and die. If your faith is only on operational once you see it, it's not much faith at all. It's only the kind of faith that operates without seeing it first that goes to the next level. Seeing faith is passive, but acting faith is in obedience. Seeing faith will run out, but believing faith is limitless. When you're around other great chefs and you're seeing what God's doing through them, like the disciples in Jesus... It's easy to have faith, isn't it? Isn't it easy to walk into that restaurant and watch a miracle and watch a healing and watch God moving in someone's life and you're in the room and woo, that's seeing faith. You just get to, you didn't pay a price for that moment, but you get to partake. That's good. That's eating. That's some good eating. But when you want to walk in the fullness of who God's called you to be, there's something that has to shift because the price that has to be paid in the kitchen is something that you maybe have never experienced yet. Or if you have, it's time to go a little deeper. Are you still in here? Say yes. So here I am. We're preparing for Albania. Now, we had this bill of $15,000. And it was heavy. It might as well have been a million dollars. It was so heavy. I mean, this was a big debt for us at that time especially. It was just mammoth to us. So we started praying, God, help us. So I said, well, Lord... Uh, how, who do we reach out to? So we had just a handful of people we knew, you know, and um, so we just started reaching out to them. Set, I set lunches, I set dinners, I set gather, you know, coffees, and I'd sit with people and I'd say, "Hey, here's the thing in Albania. I bring the budget with me, man. Here's what we're believing for. We need sound systems and chairs and you know promotion. And here's what God's going to do." And I tell them the whole story, and it would be so uh, in, at first encouraging, you know, people. Oh, thank you, brother. I'll be praying for you. Thank you so much. Amen. And then we'd leave. And I'd look online at the bank account. It'd still say zero, you know. Okay. So then I'd do another meeting and another meeting. And all of a sudden, I found this recurring theme of people telling me they'll be praying for me. Okay. Thank you so much for your prayers. But do you have anything else? I have a need I just told you about. Then people started telling me, I did more of these meetings. I started getting a little angry. I remember one brother said, I'll be praying for you. He said, brother, thank you, but I need more than prayer. <laughs> you know, I, was, I didn't know. I was feeling desperate. It was so hard. 
I mean, here I'm exerting all this effort, all this energy. God, I feel. And so months start going by and not one donation has come in for this thing. And finally, I went and I had a coffee with the guy and I told him the same spiel. My, I'm sure my faith was low. And uh, he looked at me, he says, you know what? I feel I should sow financially into this. And he writes a check for $500 and he gave it to me. And I started to cry. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, I was just so like beat down. You have no idea what this means. And he was kind of like, dude, pull yourself together. Like, it's $500, you know? Like, And so we just scrimped and saved and just little by little. I mean, somebody might give a little bit here, 20 bucks there. But, you know, and it was so in the meantime, the Albanians, you know, now we're getting closer. This thing was at the end of the year and now we're getting through summer. It's full time. And man, I don't have much in that bank account. And they're writing me, dear American Pastor Aaron. We are so excited for the upcoming event in Albania. When can we expect deposit money? Dear Albanian pastors, soon. God bless you. <laughs> Close the computer. <laughs> Jeez, what are you going to do, God? And here I was, and I realized I was in this kitchen starving. I don't know how to make anything. Like, God, I'm so used to watching your miracles and your power. And like, you know, I talked to Dr. Hickey about it. And she, oh, God, Aaron, God, supply that in an instant. I remember one time I needed $1 million. And God spoke to someone in a million dollars. And I'm like, well, give me some, you know, like. <laughs> you know, it, it gets a little, you know, but you have to learn how to cook. But their faith stories weren't helping me anymore, or at least I wasn't listening. I was getting distraught. I was getting stressed. And this thing began to grind on me. This Albania crusade began to torment me. I mean, I'd go to bed thinking, I'd wake up thinking about just feeling the weight of this thing. And then I would be terrified to read my email, lest there be another email from them saying, hello, American pastor. Like, I don't want to read it. It was so stressful. I remember we finally got about $2,000 put together. And we're just a few weeks away from this event now. I don't even have airplane tickets purchased. I am broke, y'all. I had 2000 bucks, But let me tell you, when you need 15 it doesn't matter. It's not enough. It's not going to do anything. Terry and I were in church. And God speaks to us. You have a great need. I said, yes, you know I do. I apparently have 5,000 people praying for me, but uh, <laughs> nobody's giving. <laughs> and the Lord spoke to Terry and I. We were, set, we were not sitting together, and he spoke to us at the same time. Sell what you have. Oh, my God. No. Do you know how hard I worked for that money? I've had 58 meetings. I've had people tell me they'll pray. And finally, some people gave. And this is so easy for all these other people. Why is it so hard for me? And I, it's like my blood, sweat, and tears were on that money. And the money was almost like a little idol to me because I had worked so hard for it. But I had exhausted myself in the process. It was horrible. It made me think maybe I'm not called to this. I was ready to quit. I'm like, this is done. I am not called to this. God's grace is not on my life for this. God is not with me. Look at the fruit. God said, judge it by the fruit. My fruit is pathetic. They have big, beautiful promised land grapes on sticks, and I got itty bitty raisin. God spoke to us, said, sow it. If it doesn't meet your need, it's a seed. I've heard people say that. Well, that was my moment. It didn't meet my need, and God said, make it a seed. And God said, if you'll sow, what you worked for, I'll do what I do. And my works are going to come through for you. So we gave it in faith. 
Now, I had gave it in complete defeat, to be honest. I still gave it, but I was defeated. In fact, I had planned to go home that night and write an email to these Albanians because the pressure was increasing. I was, I was in such fear of disappointing Pastor Marilyn. I was in such fear of disappointing all these Albanians. I'm like, I'm never going to Albania. They're going to kill me or something, you know. It's, you know, I, like, I had promised them this, and I'm not coming through. They're going to say, you're not a man of your word. You're a fake. You're a fraud. Okay? This is what getting in the faith kitchen feels like, just so you know. It's rough at first. Because God has to break the shell of that mustard seed to allow some germination to take place. And when I gave it, I said, I'm going to go home and write an email to everybody and announce my defeat. And I was ready to quit. I was going to quit everything with missions, say this wasn't of God. I was going to shrink back into my comfort zone. I'll just play piano till I die. Maybe I'll get some gigs at a piano bar one day, playing some Billy Joel. I don't know. Right? Isn't that funny how we plan our defeated attack? And my wife, God bless her, she said, don't write that email. She says, they don't need the money until this date, which is like a little over a week away. At least wait till then. I said, okay, fine. So I wait. And God was showing me something. When I released that, God said, I, I literally went to prayer. I said, God, now, now look, I literally have nothing. I have nothing. And something changed in my prayer. God, if this is your vision, I have nothing. So you're going to have to do something pretty awesome. So I'm not worried about it anymore. Surprise, it's your problem, God. And seriously, I, something happened in my faith development that day. This is God's problem. It's God's fault to begin with. He's the one who talked to Marilyn Hickey, and she called me, and they talked. I wasn't a part of any of that. I was mad about it at first. But then it all landed on my doorstep, and I said, God, this is your problem. You, Holy Spirit, you set it up in motion, so you figure it out. And literally, I just went to prayer and said, God, I'm done praying for money. I'm done begging. I'm done all of it. I'm just going to pray, and Lord, you do a miracle. In other words, I was so ready to just say I'm done anyway, so I was good. I'm out. So if you want to do a miracle, go ahead, big guy, you know. Come on, I know some of you felt this way before. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just me, the heretic, I don't know. The next Sunday came, and we just had normal church service. And as I was in the hallway, um, I was leaving, ready to go write that email. I feel a tap on my shoulder, and a guy comes up to me, him and his wife says, Aaron, how's it going? Oh, it's fine. It's fine. You know, in my, in my dad's church, a lot of people would talk to me like this. It wasn't an uncommon thing. Oh, man, we were praying and God spoke to us. Well, in my dad's church, people told me that all the time. They always wanted me to tell my dad. And tell your dad what God said to me. <laughs> right? You know, like, it happened all the time. Aaron, God spoke to me. Now, be sure you tell Pastor Bagwell. What a great spiritual person I am, you know. So... Okay, thanks. So anyways, guys, like, God spoke to me. Uh-huh, great. Okay, bro, I'm not in the mood for this. I'm a, f I'm a failure. Like, why are you going to talk to me? Like, he's like, hey, no, 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 God talked to me about you. Oh, well, that's different. Well, what did he say? Did he tell you I'm a failure? Because that's what I am. <laughs> he said, God told me you had a need for this Albania thing. Now, I heard, I heard something that you needed something for this international thing. What, you know, how's it going? I said, not good. He's like, well, how much do you have left to raise? I'm like, um, the total amount. <laughs> he goes, man, that's not, why haven't you been working? Why haven't you been fundraising? I wanted to punch this guy in the neck. It's like, would you please get out of here? I get it. I failed. Shout it from the rooftops, you know. I'm like, listen, man, I tried. It didn't work, you know. He goes, well, that's okay. That's okay. Let me just tell you. My wife and I were praying last night like we do every Saturday night. And we just get together and grab hands. And we say, oh, I love you. We love Jesus. I want, I, shut up, man. What do you want? I wasn't very pastoral. 
While we were praying, the Holy Spirit gently spoke to us. And the Holy Spirit said, you have a need and we're supposed to supply all the need. I said, he did? He goes, now how much? I was like, well, I don't want to tell you, it's a lot. He's like, well, hit me, you know. It's like, well, it's about $15,000. He goes, oh, is that it? <laughs> Sweetheart, bring my checkbook. I about fell out in the power. I said, what is happening right now? He said, I told you we were praying, and the Holy Spirit spoke to us, and we're supposed to do this. What had been my greatest, I'm preaching long today. Are we okay? I'm almost done, I swear. What had been my greatest burden for months in challenge in the Everest of my life, the mountain I'm trying to declare. I mean, I preached it to say to the mountain, move, and it didn't move, you know? And it was like, I can't climb this mountain. He was at the top like, hey, me and my wife are just having prayer up here, hanging out in the place you'll never get to. Like, that's how it felt. But something happened in that moment where God revealed something to me, and it was like they reached down and just pulled Terry and I right on top of that mountain with them. They said, welcome. They said, well, do you need any other money? I was like, well, I don't have plane tickets. He's like, well, you'll probably need money for plane tickets. I'm like, yeah. Anyways, about $20,000. And he wrote a check right then and there for that amount and took care of the entire need in an instant. Now, the reason I wanted to share this as I conclude. And when we were talking about the faith kitchen and learning how to cook, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. It'll be poured into your bosom with the same measure you use it. It'll be measured back to you. And also Jesus said, Matthew 6, don't worry about these things saying, what do we eat? What do we drink? What do we wear? These are the things that dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. Your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. I was living in a place of stress, exhaustion, um, all these types of things. And God just poured it out in one instant. But it wasn't until I sowed the seed and released my work into him. And I learned something through the process. If I'm going to walk in faith that I'm going to have to release out of my hands all of the burden and responsibility, if God has called the vision, he will bring the provision. Hallelujah. And that very thought is a process that you can only get when you sit in front of your chinette plate and recognize all of a sudden... Food's not coming from over there for this one. That's a different restaurant. You're building something now that I've called you to do, saith God, and I have to teach you how to make it. I have to teach you how to get that plate full. I have to teach you that my provision's going to come through. And when I started praying, God, it hit me like a ton of bricks. God, I didn't make up the Albania crusade. You did. So you take care of it. And what I began to learn was the power of prayer in faith that God will hear your prayers and reach his simple finger of favor and touch the right people who have all the provision for you. Do you realize there are billionaires on this earth? Millionaires? There are people that are so blessed, but God can speak to them. And he's done it again and again and again for this ministry over and over and over and over. But it was that first moment where I had to learn this lesson hard. And I believe it's a lesson many times. And this has to do with giving and money on this one. But it works with everything else we're talking about with them. Um, different types of ministries and the things that we're called to do from the gifts of the ministry to the walking and the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you something today. When you get into the faith kitchen, the best thing you can learn to do is start trusting in God and allow the prayers to generate what he needs for the provision for the assignment. What he assigns, he will provide for. 
Can I say it again? What he assigns, he will provide for. What he has assigned to you, he will provide for. But you have to have the faith to start believing it. And you can't just eat off someone else's plate and think, okay, I'm good, I'm good. You have to understand that there is a timing and a process. And when you do this, he'll give you everything that is required for the assignment. Come on, let's clap our hands and praise the Lord this morning. And Nikita, if you just play as we pray. Father, I just want to pray over this wonderful church today. I pray, first of all, they forgive me for talking so long. But, Lord, I also ask that, Lord, you begin to speak to people. We're going to be talking about faith the next few weeks. This is kind of the kickoff to our faith teachings. But, Father, I am praying and believing for the, the revelation, the revelation of your provision for our lives. Father, when we do it in and of ourselves, we'll exhaust ourselves. We'll scrimp and scrape to get something in our own strength. But Lord, you can do things in an instant. So Lord, I'd rather spend months in prayer and peace than months in stress. Father, I'd rather spend months worshiping you than months of trying to make something happen. Father, I thank you that you will reveal to us, give us wisdom, show us what to do, bring people into our lives. Father, you are a great God, a mighty God. So Lord, we just say yes to your will and yes to your way. And right now, with your eyes closed, under the sound of my voice, <clears throat> if there's a need in your life, a destiny that you've been praying for and believing for, God might be calling you to sow a faith seed yourself. It might be money. It might be time. It might be a commitment, a time commitment. Faith seeds look a lot of different ways. In my case, it was literally money. God, I had to release it so that God could bless it. But when you sow and you say, God, I'm going to give by faith, he does something because he says, if it's not fulfilling your need, use it as a seed. And so today as we conclude, Father, I want to just ask Lord, that you stir on the hearts of men and women, whatever that seed is. Father, maybe it's serving in this church like never before. Father, you know this ministry needs people to serve for this vision to be accomplished. Maybe it's uh, going forth in evangelism to people that you know there's been people on your heart. Maybe it is with your finances. Maybe there is a seed. Whatever it is, Father, I pray you speak it to them. Lord, what is the sowing? There is a sowing because sowing takes faith. Sowing takes faith. But Lord, I pray you reveal it to us, Father, that Lord, like the mustard seed, we can grow into the trees. Our faith can increase. They said, how does it increase? You said, start with the mustard seed. So Father, today we praise you for your goodness and your mercy and kindness in our lives. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Come on, let's clap our hands. Praise the Lord in this house. Amen. Thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow to stay up to date in everything we're doing at Expect Hope. We hope this podcast encouraged you and that it will help you through any trials you may be going through. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed rest of your week.